Today's episode of Pushing Through is brought to you by Discover. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically with no limit on how much you can earn. How amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing because of all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations apply. Welcome to Pushing Through. I am Tate Frazier, and as always, I am joined by the kid BJ Armstrong. And BJ, last night we got a beat mm. down in Brooklyn, we Ooh. got a showcase out in Phoenix, and now we got a lot of conversations, a lot of question marks, a lot of you know narratives coming out of these game mm. ones and game twos that we saw last night. But first, I want to start mm. in Brooklyn, BJ. Because Kevin Durant put on a showcase last night. Giannis and the Bucks did not have an answer. And I'm looking to you, BJ Armstrong, to give me an answer about what's going to happen and what's going on in this series. Well, you know, Tate, we got to start. Let's be specific. You know, we got a lot of things and a lot of takes. Yeah. I'm sure the pundits and the experts are out. I'm sure everyone is calling for people's jobs. <laughs> People are calling saying the Bucks are this and that. Yep. But here, we like to cut through all of the nonsense and the BS and all of that. And let's cut right through it so we can understand with facts of what really happened here in this series. So you you, you, you ask, and I'll try to give you the best explanation that I can. But more importantly, you know, to me, as I'm watching the game, because I can't help but watch the game from a strategic standpoint. So you go, my friend, and uh, let's get into it. Let's get into it. So in this game last night, 125-86, to 86, the first quarter, the game was pretty much signed, sealed, and delivered, as Stevie Wonder once said. And uh, Kevin Durant and the Nets roll in this game. Uh, we get garbage time minutes by the end. Giannis and Chris Middleton were out of the game with nine minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Uh, and a lot of people, like you said, BJ, they are burying uh, the Bucks after this game. It's over. Um, I, I've heard this before. Uh, I, I heard this after two games in the Clippers and the Mavs series. Uh, I've seen, you know, multiple times a team, you know, look different on the road than they do at home. Um, but all in all, after these first two games, do, do we have a, a enough to take away, BJ, where we have, uh, you know, an opinion on this series so far? Well, you know, Tate, let, let's jump right into it. Okay, so let, let's get down to the nuts and bolts of this. Yeah. Of this the series. Okay. The Brooklyn Nets, Steve Nash and company, they've done an exceptional job of dictating the flow and pace of the game. Yep. Okay. Now, what does that mean? Let's go back to the regular season. I watched this game. I remember I was watching the Brooklyn Nets play the Milwaukee Bucks at home in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. The Milwaukee Bucks won that game. And I don't have the stats, but you're a big stat guy, and you can watch as I'm talking. You can look <laughs> this up. Giannis has a game of the ages. He has 40-something points. He has double-digit rebounds. Kevin Durant plays exceptionally well. Kyrie doesn't have a good game. But Milwaukee won the game, and everyone said back then, they said, 
this is going whoever wins this series is probably going to come out of the east mm-hmm. okay now here we are i remember watching that game and i'm going to say it then and i'm going to say it now something stood out to me in that game that i thought was very odd they elected to not double team Giannis and play him head up, straight up, man for man, mano a mano with Blake Griffin. And they dictated to him. Then, just like they're dictating to him now, here are the shots you're going to shoot. You're going to shoot that open three <laughs> and we'll give you that free throw line extended. But if you come in here and you start trying to twist and turn, we're going to collapse on you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Physically, he can't bully Blake Griffin like he does a lot of players. They are telling the Milwaukee Bucks, Giannis, this is what you're going to do. Now, mm-hmm. for an offensive player, you're discouraged because now he's not getting to his spots. He's not doing what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. He's doing because the defense is telling him, this is what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to double team anyone else on the floor. So now Giannis, what are you going to do? Now Milwaukee won that game. Give me the stats of that game. Mm-hmm. Tate, what was the stats of that game? Uh, this is in one eighteen twenty one, right? That you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. He had 34 points, 12 rebounds, uh, seven assists. Uh, you know, Giannis did. Yeah, I thought Giannis had forty something. Okay, he had thirty four. I think the last time they played, it was uh, it was uh, sorry, it, it, the regular season it was forty nine. Yeah, forty nine. Yeah, yeah. He had, I remember yeah, he yeah, had yeah. a big. He had yeah, a yeah, yeah, yeah. Forty nine. He had. Yep. He played twenty one of thirty six from the floor, four yeah. of eight from the three point line. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He 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 was now, and I thought that was an odd game because. They barely beat him, and Giannis played the game of his life. Mm -hmm. He couldn't have been any better. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking this. I said, oh, they're in trouble. Because sometimes you can win a game, but you can lose the game. Because there's no way Giannis is going to have average 50 points a game for a series. Mm -hmm. Okay? Now, so what is going on here? Steve Nash is dictating what's going on on the defense. Yep. He's dictating. Giannis, this is what you're going to do. And if you make those shots, we'll live great. with it. We'll see you in the next game. Yep. Okay. Giannis, now he's frustrated. Now he's frustrated. The team is frustrated. On the offensive end, the Brooklyn Nets are playing with such patience. Okay. And so you say, well, what kind of patience? Every time Brooklyn gets in the paint, they don't look to score mm-hmm. because the Milwaukee Bucks are a principal team. They contest every shot in the paint with their bigs. They they funnel you, and then Brooke Lopez shadows the ball and contests every shot in the paint. Mm-hmm. Brooklyn, listen to what I'm saying. Brooklyn is practicing patience. I don't say patience in the Brooklyn Nets. But if you watch the game, Brooklyn has a clear plan of what they're going to do. Get in the lane and then pass to your shooters, mm-hmm. whether they're at the three-point line or cut to the basket. Yep. So let's let's replay the game in our mind. You saw Blake Griffin dunking. You saw you, – this is the playoffs now. 
you should not get more than five to 10 uncontested shots in a playoff game, if any. Mm-hmm. How many uncontested shots did the Brooklyn Nets have? I mean, th- in that I think about Bruce Brown going downhill into the lane and then one bounce pass, backdoor cut to Blake. Yeah. Bruce, Boy- uh, Bruce Brown mm-hmm. is shooting uncontested shots in the playoff game as a 6-3 power forward or whatever yeah, yeah, he's playing. Yeah, exactly. I don't know what he's playing, yeah. okay? Now, so now they're not only dictating how they're going to play on the defensive end, they're dictating how we're going to play on the offensive end because we know exactly what you're going to do, Tate. You're going to funnel me to the basket. Your bigs are going to show up, but I have the discipline to, to make the extra yeah, pass. Yeah, to not panic and make the extra pass. And that's what they're doing. And now, and like you said, that's deflating when it keeps happening and, and you're playing your defense. And, and yeah. So they've exploited the principles of the Milwaukee Bucks. And the, the, the most discouraging thing about the Bucks, they've made no adjustments. Zero. Okay, they've made no adjustments. So, so you're saying, okay, the the opponents know what I'm doing on the defensive end. I have to make an adjustment. Now, game two, I was upset at the beginning of the game because I really thought the Milwaukee Bucks were going to win this game last night because it's a it's a desperation game. But the Milwaukee Bucks did something at the beginning of the game that had me upset, screaming at my television. The Milwaukee Bucks decided to have their defense in front of their bench in the first half. Why is that important? Because Tate, how many times have you heard us say this over the years? Defense is what wins in this league. Mm-hmm. Why did they elect to have their offense in front of their bench in the second half? Their mindset wasn't right. Mm-hmm. Their mindset wasn't right. They came into the game thinking they can outscore the Brooklyn Nets. What? You is one thing I know you can't beat Kevin Durant at scoring. It's now you might be able to beat him at rebounding, mm-hmm. passing, defense, yep. points per possession. If you take their possessions away, yeah, you are not going to outscore the Brooklyn Nets. I don't care how well you shoot from three. Mm-hmm. I don't care what the percentages say. Kevin Durant is a perfect. No, he wasn't. He's not a. He was born to score. Now, Mm -hmm. I don't know what else he can do, but there's one thing he could do. He's going to be 60 years old. And I'm going to still say Kevin Durant can go get 25 or 30 in an NBA game. I don't know if he can play in an NBA game, but I know for one night he can score with the best of them. Dice, man. 2.0. Yeah. And I don't know how much further that other kid, Kyrie, is behind him. He can score that basketball. <laughs> and the other kid got a hamstring, and I know he can score too. <laughs> now, that, that, I think that's the, the most deflating part of this, right? Your second best player is on the bench right now. So right now, right now, watching the Milwaukee Bucks, they look disorganized. They look like they panicked. Yes. And they're playing as if they don't have a game plan right now. They, when you say they look bad, they look bad. I'm not here to throw anybody under the bus, but right now it's too late in the season and they're too good of a team with too many good players to look this bad. Mm-hmm. And they don't look this bad because they're not playing well. They look this bad because they're not in position or they don't have the proper instructions to counter what's being done on the other side. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, at some point here, we always talk about players lose their confidence. I'm going to say something here, Tate, that I, I got to say because I've 
it's coaches can also lose their confidence too. Mm-hmm. Right now, the Milwaukee Bucks, they've tuned out the coaches. Now, hopefully that they tune it back in because when I tell you this is a must game, this is the Super Bowl, this is the most important game ever this season for the Milwaukee Bucks, their franchise in recent times, game three is the is it's all or nothing now. Because this is not a confident team. This isn't a team that has any answers. Mm-hmm. And most importantly, they're not playing well. And this is bad timing right now. Yeah. And this is a team that, again, swept the Miami Heat, looked like they were clicking on all cylinders. A lot of people, I mean, myself included, you know, believed that this Bucks team was going to have the answer for the Brooklyn Nets, Brooklyn Nets at some level. But like you said, the Nets are playing playoff basketball. They're playing chess, and the Bucks yeah. thought they were going to play their game, and that's not how it works. <laughs> the Nets are too no, good. No, no, the Brooklyn Nets, but I, again, I always say this about NBA coaches. There's nowhere else in the world where the level of sophistication that you can get for coaching than the NBA. Mm-hmm. Because in the NCAA tournament, you can win one game. Yep. That's what makes it great. You can win one game. You can have the game of your life. You can shoot well. You can literally just play a, a mistake-free game for one game. Try that for a seven-game series, though. Mm. And the level of sophistication that you're seeing right now that's being displayed by Steve Nash. Give Steve Nash and, and, and his coaching staff credit. They've devised a game plan now to fully take advantage of what the Milwaukee Bucks have done all season. Mm-hmm. Now, I have a hard time believing that the coaching staff of the Milwaukee Bucks can't see this, right? <laughs> if I can see this on my television, those guys are studying game film. They have to see it too. At some point, you got to say, we got to change up the game plan here. Yeah. Because right now, there's no more room for error. There's no more room for error. And the Milwaukee Bucks right now, they got to lay it out on line. This is the Super Bowl in Milwaukee for game three. Mm -hmm. Because I can't imagine the type of pressure that's going to be. You're going to have a a packed house. You're down 0-2. And... Every mistake, if they get down early, Tate, in this game, you may hear some booing there in Milwaukee. Yeah, yeah. And it's not going to be nice. So someone's going to have to be responsible for this. So for the Milwaukee Bucks' sake, I hope that they come out and give a better effort than they gave in these first two games. Mm -hmm. Because this isn't a lack of effort by the players who are playing. No, of course. Right now, this is a game plan. Mm Mm-hmm. And the coaches have to give a game plan that the players firmly believe in. But most importantly, they have to come out and execute it. Yeah. And I saw uh, Rob Mack, you know, our guy, Rob Mack, who's been on the show. He tweeted this last night. This is officially a player's league. I saw a lot of that, you know, sentiment coming out when people were talking about the Brooklyn Nets and, you know, going up against this Bucks team. It is kind of the the two... I guess, eras of the NBA. There's the traditional build-a-team style where you have a superstar in Giannis who's committed to be, you know, you have his bird rights. You have, you know, he's on a super max. You have two supplemental stars, one guy you trade for, one guy you build within with Chris Middleton. And then you look at the Brooklyn Nets. You know, this is a team that was built through free agency and forged through a trade for James Harden. But at the same time, they are 
playing superior basketball, as much as that is going to be the narrative, quote unquote, BJ, what you're saying is all basketball related. It's all schematic. It's all the way that the Brooklyn Nets are scheming the the Milwaukee Bucks. And I think that's the real story in this, as much as we want to talk about the grandiose narrative of it all. It's all about the actual basketball. And that's why I give a, a hat tip, like you said, to Steve Nash and to Kevin Durant and all these guys that are executing. Well, again, you can have a great you can have a great game plan, but you got to have the players who can execute. Yeah. Now, let's make no doubt about this. OK, while we're giving, you know, while we're saying what's wrong in Milwaukee and while we're giving Steve Nash credit, let's also give the credit. Like name me another coach who has Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving <laughs> and James Harden sitting on the bench. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Everyone knows what to do. Mm-hmm. But do you have the personnel to do it? Now, Kevin Durant is a very, very unique player. Yep. Okay? And you have to game plan accordingly. Now, as you know, Tate, and let's break this thing down. If we're going to break it down, let's break it down. The Brooklyn Nets have decided to guard Brooke Lopez with Kevin Durant. Yep. Okay. Now, that's it. That's as a former player, I can't help but watch the game from a strategic standpoint. And when I watch this, you say, well, what's the big deal about that? Now, with that, that creates a what was called a cross match in transition because P.J. Tucker is probably on the other side of the court <laughs> as Brooke Lopez. And in transition with early shots, Kevin Durant knows that he's free. Mm-hmm. Because normally, if you guard a guy, you're guarding each other on the offense and defensive end. Yeah. But in this case, Kevin Durant is probably has an advantage because the Milwaukee Bucks have elected, unbeknown to me, I don't understand it, to put Brooke Lopez to get corner threes, which allows Kevin Durant to get leak outs. Okay. Small thing. Huge reward for the Brooklyn Nets. So you have a cross match. Every time in transition, PJ Tucker's looking for his man. Yeah. So PJ Tucker is running back, probably from the other side of the floor, side of court to catch Kevin Durant. And Kevin Durant is gone. Beeline. He's he's open. Okay. And we all know you can't allow a great player to be great. So now Kevin Durant now has found a way to find space, especially in transition, because Milwaukee hasn't been. You know, they haven't been shooting the ball exceptionally at at a high clip right now, right? So long shots, long rebounds, Kevin Durant's running free, da-da-da. I think you have to slow the game down if you're Milwaukee and control the tempo of the game. Mm -hmm. you got to control the tempo of the game. And the tempo of the game is let's establish that we are going to do two things against Kevin Durant. We're going to include him on every defensive possession, either in screen roll or bring our big to the post to make Kevin Durant fight over a screen and battle with this big guy. Mm-hmm. And let's just see what the undersized Brooklyn Nets are going to do if I get the ball in an operating area to my big. Yeah. And you don't have to score, just get it there. Mm-hmm. Just have Brooke Lopez's body on him. Just body him up. Okay. Let's see. Now we got to touch Kevin Durant. That's pretty much the. the that's if, the, if you're going to play against a great player, yep. if you're going to play against a great player, mm-hmm. okay. L- let's go back to 
to the Pistons, their whole Jordan rules, right? If you're going to play a great let's just use him as a, if you're going to play against Michael Jordan, let's touch him. Mm-hmm. We're going to just run Joe Dumars off of four screens just so everyone has an opportunity to, to touch him. his body, yeah, yeah, yeah. to screen him and screen him. Yes, yes. Joe, your job is not to score, mm-hmm. just run him off slow enough so everybody can touch his body. Mm-hmm. That's the play. We're, we're going to hit Michael this time so he can't now, score on the next, yeah, next possession. <laughs> we're going to do that to find out if Michael Jordan really wants to go and and give that type of energy to play this game mm-hmm. on both ends of the court. Kevin Durant is guarding Brooke Lopez hanging out in the corner for a three. Yep. We're, Does it make sense? We're to doing me? him a favor. Yeah. We're doing him a favor. So now I think they have to go back to the strategy of you can't allow a great player to only play one half of the game. Mm -hmm. Because right now, Kevin Durant, he's only playing offense. Mm -hmm. I'm going to touch Kevin Durant's body. Kevin Durant is, I'm going to touch his body. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not asking Brooke Lopez to score 30. No. But I'm certainly going to have P.J. Tucker set some nice screens on Kevin Durant so that we can get Brooke Lopez to the box. Just, excuse me, just to catch the basketball. Yep. Now, it's Kevin Durant. D- does he really want to do that mm-hmm. for 48 minutes? Yeah, now Kevin... He's not the biggest, strongest guy, right? And, and maybe so, he asked for the switch because he's like, I don't want to be down on the block. They're making me get now, on the block. Now, if you get yeah. the switch, now you don't have... You eliminate the cross match. Exactly. Yep. Now, so now you have the matchup that you want. Mm-hmm. P.J. Tucker on him, and then now let's go play. Mm-hmm. So these are the things I think the staff is going to have to make they're going to have to make adjustments because right now the Brooklyn Nets are dictating everything on the defensive end. They're dictating everything on the offensive end. And right now the team looks confused. The, the Milwaukee Bucks are not this bad. Make no doubt about it. But they have played bad. There's no, take no excuses. And to give Brooklyn Nets credit. Give them all of the credit. They've made the adjustments. They've, made all the, they've pushed all the right buttons. But it's going to be interesting to see what the Bucks are going to do. Mm-hmm. Because now... This is a philosophy and a strategy that's going to have to be really executed and really, you know, done by the players, but it's going to have to come from the coaches. Mm -hmm. So let's see what they do in game three. Yeah, it's a it's a fascinating series. I think these are all great points. And, you know, it, you know, Midas, you know, we're watching the Sixers series and Trey Young. I feel like he's operating on one end of the court as well. You're talking about, you know, a guy being able to operate just on one end of the floor um, and not being able to to get exposed on the defensive end. Maybe that's something that happens in that series as well. Um, you know, talking about Trey Young and Kevin Durant. And yeah, I, I want to say something quickly about Trey Young. You know, there's a there is a Sunday undertone here. I'm going to I'm going to share probably an NBA secret here, right? When you play against smaller guards like Trey Young, you you really you just live with them. Mm-hmm. All right, you, you just live with them. You go, okay, if he gets hot, uh, he'll he'll do it for a quarter, he'll do it for two, and then you just kind of live with it, right? Because you don't want to compromise your defense by trying to chase some little guy around because yeah. that little guy can break you down, get penetration, and so forth. So you just you you go under on him, you you wall him off a little bit because he doesn't have the ability to see over the top of the defense now. This is six games now I've been watching Trey Young. I've watched him five games in the New York series, which they won 4-1, and I've watched him in game one here against the Sixers. 
Tom Thibodeau, who's a defensive coach, and Doc Rivers, who's a defensive coach, they've all said the same thing. We're not going to compromise our defense, and we're not going to game plan for Trey Young. Yeah. Which I'm not saying it's disrespectful. I'm just saying Tom Thibodeau did not change his game plan <laughs> for five games versus the Atlanta Hawks. Think about that. And Tom Thibodeau is a very, very well-schooled, well-rehearsed coach. Mm -hmm. He elected to say, you know what? This is what we're going to do against Trey Young, and we'll live with it. Yeah. He did that for five games. Yep. Think about that. Think about what I just said. He knew and he knows, but he was like, ah, if Trey Young scores 25 or 30, I can live with that. He, did, he elected not to double team him, not to get the ball out of his hand, not to pick him up full court. He was like, eh, we'll deal with it. Now, I was interested to watch what Doc Rivers was going to do. <laughs> Doc Rivers said the same thing. He's like, eh, I'll put Danny Green on him. Yeah, yeah, poor Danny. We'll, we'll, hey, hey. <laughs> We'll live with we'll, we'll live whatever he does. Now, this is a unwritten rule in the NBA. You live with these little guards. Now, I think Trey Young. Now, after six games, you got to say the following: It's a new era, and if this guy continues to make shots at the distance he's making shots, it can affect the game. Mm -hmm. All right, they had a thirty-something point effort from. Joel Embiid and they lose. Okay? So I think now in game two, I'm really interested to see what Doc Rivers is going to do because now I, as, as well as those other two coaches, I got a game plan for this little guy now. Yeah. It's, I, and I don't want to admit that. We got a sample size. But like you said, it, it's kind of like the Clippers when they had to get over the Luka thing. It's like we, we, at some point we got to decide we're going to double this dude because he deserves it. You follow what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I want to see if Doc Rivers is stubborn enough as Tibbs <laughs> was to say, nah, that was just one game. Because Tibbs, Tibbs didn't change his game plan <laughs> for five games. <laughs> and Doc Rivers did the same exact thing. So it's always it's always been an unwritten rule when you play against little guys like that because you're like ah he's little he's like what is he gonna do you know, like a 35 footer is he really gonna be that's what makes Steph Curry so unique you're like yeah if a guy makes a 35 footer but he's doing it with such accuracy that suddenly you gotta change mm -hmm. so I think Doc Rivers is going to change and then let's see what the other players are going to do let's see and. I'm concerned about Philly, but I'm not really concerned because I was like, Doc didn't, Doc never showed his hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it did. I mean, it might have said this to me as we were watching the game. He texted me and said, it feels like we're just trying to feel them out in this game one. And as they were feeling them out, the Hawks got hot and, yeah, no, you know, no, no, the rest the, is history. The, the Hawks, they have a team that can shoot now. Yeah. When the Hawks are making shots, they, they're tough. And give them credit. Now, give... Give Trey Young credit. Give John Collins, I think, give yeah, Bogdanovich, you know, those all those credit. guys. Yeah. But again, they were open for a reason. <laughs> yes. Okay. Now let's see what Doc and company are going to do. They're going to take away something. I don't know. Maybe they say, you know what? Eh, we'll live with it again. Mm -hmm. Maybe. Because they play great, I thought, especially in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Yeah. When the game really tightened okay. up and, and they started pressing and, and started trying to speed things up, you, you saw a recipe for success for Philly. Yeah. Yes. And that's the difference between game two for Philly and game three for Milwaukee. 
We don't even have a recipe for the Milwaukee <laughs> yeah, Bucks. Yeah. We don't know what. We were, Philly is like, okay, we saw something that could work. <laughs> yeah. Milwaukee, after two games, they're like, yeah, we don't know what can work here. And, and it is true. I think you were right about that. The, they almost baited Giannis into the idea he has to have this 49-point game, perfect performance where he's hitting four out of eight threes. And reality, we need him to take about three or four threes, and we need to have limited possessions, and the Nets need to have you know 75 possessions instead of 110, and you know. Quick break to get a word from our sponsor, Discover. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically with no limit on how much you can earn. How amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing because of all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations apply. Back to pushing through. It's easy to say it's hard to create, right? When you when you talk about what the Bucks have to do in game three. Yeah, well, you know, back in our era, you know, they always like to say, you know, the, like the game is so different. No, I've seen this type of defense before, right? Don Nelson used to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Don Nelson would always put a mismatch on your team's best player. <laughs> so that because he always wanted to dictate where the ball was going to go. So he would put, you know, the craziest matchups. He would put like Tom Tolbert or somebody on Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, that's a clear mismatch. Mm-hmm. But he was actually dictating where he wanted the ball to go so that his team always knew that they had to help against the best player because what was the first thing you're always going to do as a player? You always play for the mismatch. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, be, it wasn't until we became a very disciplined team that we said the following, which Giannis is going to have to do, whether it's in this series or he's going to have to learn this. I can get that open three anytime I want it. Mm-hmm. But I have to have the discipline to play within the, the, the confinements and the structure of the team so that we can continue to do what we want to do as a team. Yeah. If there's 18 seconds on the shot clock, Giannis should not be taking a three. No, for what? He can get that same shot with three seconds left. Yep. He can get that same shot for 24 seconds. And when you We already know that. And when you take that but three, can, it starts their break nine times out of ten. But force them to play defense. Yep. And Don, I remember Don Nelson doing it, and I thought, oh, okay. I, I, it took me a little while to figure it out. Like, oh, Don Nelson is trying to dictate what we're going to do, mm-hmm. which he took us out of our offense. We're, we're looking at the, oh, oh man. And Michael Jordan's eyes got so big. He's like, oh, I got Tom Tober on me tonight, right? <laughs> yeah. and, and we're like, whoa. And Phil was like, oh, pump our brakes. Mm-hmm. Let's have discipline. Now, once you have discipline, now you begin to dictate to the defense, no, this is what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Now it's your move. Yeah. And now they don't so, have the guarantee where you're going with the ball. And now they're looking around scrambling and now they have to make an adjustment. There you go. So yeah. the Milwaukee Bucks are going to have to figure this out, you know, hoping they could have figured it out earlier in the season. But now, you know, once you have the discipline to dictate, you're the offensive player. Tate, if you're guarding me, you're not going to make me shoot a shot I don't want to shoot. I'm the offensive player. Mm -hmm. I'm getting to my spot. Yeah, just because it looks like a good shot or you're open does not mean it's actually a good shot in that moment. Yeah. Yes, yes. So that is the lesson to be learned. I remember seeing this defense that was employed a lot back in our era. Uh, where you tried to create a mismatch so that you could dictate to the other team what you wanted to get done. But, you know, really good teams 
they go, ah, that's a that's a cute little trick. Mm-hmm. And you don't fall for the trick. The Milwaukee Bucks right now, they're falling for a trick that, you know, we've been, you know, you know, you 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 you, you gotta be a little older to, you know, to know how to solve these little problems. But right now, I think they have to be talking about they, the Milwaukee Bucks have to have the discipline to say, no, we know we can get that shot. But here's the shot we want. Yeah, I mean, and if you really think about it, if you dissect it, I mean, look at Steve Nash. I mean, he played for Don Nelson, so this is not surprising that it could be something that he uses. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? This. I'm not trying to expose the Brooklyn Nets, <laughs> but I'm just saying. <laughs> you, you, I, you know, I, I, like you've right seen now, it before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've seen this movie before. I like. I, I was looking at it, and I saw it, and I go, oh, this is easy. I, I was like, well, I, literally, when I saw the game, I was like, oh, Milwaukee, they'll beat them by double figures tonight. I, I thought that was a cute little trick. I look around, they're down there. The Milwaukee Bucks are down 25 points. Yeah. Like I was like, what happened? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. So again, you know, experience is the best teacher and hopefully the Bucks learn this and learn it quickly. Yeah. It does seem like uh, every single, every single year, you know, like last year it was the heat that Gian- they were walling them off. Nick nurse did it with Toronto. You know, it's like Giannis has had to learn right. some sort of crash course to course correct every single season. And right now the Brooklyn Nets are, are playing chess and you know, they're playing checkers and they're, they're now trying to adjust to, to what the Nets are going to throw at them. And I, I'd say kudos to the Nets because uh, this is the first iteration of this team, but they already are playing with some sort of level of continuity and belonging in the playoff that obviously comes when you have guys like Kevin Durant, who's a finals MVP, but it, it's still yep. impressive basketball. Yeah, it, it really is. And and I've been very impressed with the patience they've had mm-hmm. on the offensive end. You know, I don't say a Mike D'Antoni team and a Kevin Durant team patience on the offense. I mean, those guys, they love to score. Yeah. And they want to score. Seven seconds or less. Yeah. But just really watch, when you watch their team, watch how patient they are on the offensive end to get the shot that they want. And they're driving the ball with the idea. Right. We call those, you know, paint touches. Get your feet in the paint, get your foot in the paint. And once you get there, your job is to pass the ball, Mm -hmm. which is counterintuitive to when you drive the ball. Most guys drive the ball to score the ball. Get in the paint to pass the ball. And and it throws you off even more when Kyrie Irving, who you expect to be driving to score the ball, drives the ball and then kicks it out. And he kicks it out. And and it's really fascinating. It throws you for even more of a loop when Kevin Durant does it too. And then then sometimes they switch it up and just lay it in. You know, I mean, you're on your toes. So just watch what they're doing. And now with that level of discipline, Milwaukee is like, because Milwaukee, they contest all shots in the paint. Mm -hmm. That's what they do. So now I'm in the air and now, you know, I'm, I'm in a vulnerable position. Yeah. I mean, think about this. Blake Griffin is dunking, multiple dunks, <laughs> yeah. multiple dunks in a game. Yeah. He hasn't had two dunks in a game probably in five years. And he's got a runway for him. I mean, he's, he's sprinting from the three-point line, you know? Exa- this is what I'm saying. So he, they know this. You see this. I got to give him credit. I love it when people make adjustments. I mean, that to me is what makes the game fun, right? Because yeah. you watch the game, you go, oh, this is what they're doing. Mm. And then I was just interested. I was like, oh, okay. How is Milwaukee going to counter this? And I kept waiting, you know, the first quarter went by and then the second quarter went by. And I was like, okay, they got to say it at halftime. The third quarter goes by yeah. and they're down like 50 points and they never. So to me, it's like one of those things you're, you're waiting on the other side to like when they're going to make an adjustment so we can do something else. 
and Milwaukee never adjusted. And, and that's why I think after the game, I saw a lot of people, you know, on Twitter, BJ saying how happy the Nets looked. And, you know, this team seems like they're having so much fun together. I think they were having so much fun because they didn't, they were like, man, they, they don't know how to adjust against this. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, like they're no, they're, they're like, celebrating because they're like, I can't believe they didn't figure this out. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You're like, okay, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And I know like, I'm like, I'm like, like, Tate's going to do something. He's like, okay, I'm going to do this. I know VJ is going to figure out what I'm doing. Yeah. And then I got to go to my next counter. Yeah. Like Tate doesn't. He's going. I don't think he saw what I did. So you do it again. Yeah, it, it works again. It, it's kind of like you know, it's, it's when you're running an HB counter and they can't stop it. You're just like keep running it. You know, this is just keep, yeah, exactly. Bobby Bowden, it, just keep running it. <laughs> and, and 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 everybody was in on it. That was a funny like. So you know, Bruce Bowen was in on it. Or Bruce uh, Brown was in on it. Kyrie was in on it. Yeah. You know, all of the players Mike were like James, in on this. All the guys, Mike James, yeah. like they were all in on it, and they're like. This really works. They're laughing. Oh my yeah, god! Exactly. Yeah, they're like, they're like, this really works. Just drive it and then kick it. They don't know what's going on, and it was like unbelievable to watch. So, hopefully, they make some adjustment. I just want them to do something. Like, yeah. just take away something mm. because right now, you know, you, you got to give. I, I, I got to give the Nets credit where credit is due, man. They, they, they play offensively. They, they played beautiful basketball, mm-hmm. and Kevin Durant. Man, he's he's a load. I don't care. I mean, this guy is, you know, there's some people that, you know, you can say, oh, man, this guy works on his game. Kevin Durant is like gifted. Yeah. I mean, he's really he's really one of the elite offensive players I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't get into this era stuff. I don't care what era this guy played in. Right. If Kevin Durant played in that era, Kevin Durant would have got 25, 30 points in that era. Mm-hmm. If Kevin Durant played in 1946, he would have got 25, 30 <laughs> points in that era. And what makes him unique in this era is with the way he plays and the, there isn't the level of physicality in the game. He's probably even better in this era. Yeah. Because he doesn't have to worry about the physicality of the game. Mm-hmm. Maybe we would have slowed him down two or three points because we could we could have touched him and put our hands on him. In this era, you can't touch the guy. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing the very best of Kevin Durant because of the way the rules in the game. And he is an ex- he made a couple moves last night that were just gifted. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, against Giannis, he had this one in and out. I mean, yeah. it's just, yeah. Man, I don't care who's, I mean, this guy is a seven-footer. Mm-hmm. This is this is what I wanted the, the listeners to understand. Kevin Durant is seven, he's, he's, he's a seven-footer mm-hmm. doing this. Okay, you're talking about a move, an in and out. Try being doing an in and out, and you're you're seven feet tall. Yeah, I mean it's a lot of a lot of room against, for things to against, go wrong. Against another seven okay, footer. Against <laughs> against a defensive player of the year. Yes, type defender who's who's guarding you like for pride at that point in the game. Yeah. Okay. Okay. He. It's not like he did it against just anybody. He did an in and out step back or whatever he did against the defensive, the reigning defensive player of the year. Mm-hmm. Okay, you don't just see this. This isn't an every year occurrence that you see, right? You just don't walk up to Kawhi Leonard or, or Giannis and just do in and out and say, hey, I hit you. No, those guys are exceptional defensive players. Mm-hmm. So to watch Kevin Durant, how special and unique of a talent he is, it's really... I mean, he's for him to be able to play and do what he's doing, you know, and he's coming back off of injury, we might add, right? A significant injury. Yeah. 
it's been pretty incredible to watch. Absolutely. I mean, coming off an Achilles and being the Kevin Durant that, you know, we saw in the finals, win finals MVP, it, you know, and have the the moxie for the moment. You know what I mean? He loves playoff basketball. I mean, you can tell that he enjoys these moments. And uh, I give I give him a ton of credit. I, I've enjoyed watching it. Uh, I think this is a great little breakdown of this series. I think this is the most fascinating series. Game one, we saw the Suns and the Nuggets last night. I mean, it was a good battle back and forth. The Nuggets right. were up, you know, for the majority of the first two and a half quarters, and then the Suns go on this big run, win the game. Um, you expect them to do that at home. I thought it was great uh, to see the Suns have fun and kind of run one out and get game one. So I, that series to me, BJ, is very fascinating because Jokic. I would argue is the best player in the series, but you know, and they have the best depth in the series, but for some reason I'm buying into the Suns, but I don't know why, but uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens there. I I, I, I can tell you this. I can can tell you this, you know, real quick. I just touched because you know, I know we've been probably overgoing our time, but you know, Chris Paul, when it's all said and done, we're going to say Chris Paul was a really, really, really good basketball player. Mm. Absolutely. And, and, and the thing is, I know because you, you don't see this often and we talk about this guy needs to do this. This guy needs to do that. You know, leadership Tate is something that we don't talk enough about in this business. The leadership of Chris Paul has been, I mean, it's one of the more brilliant things I've seen over the last, I don't know, 15, 20 years. I mean, Chris Paul has come in and he's infused confidence in the organization. Devin Booker is playing (laughs) arguably the best basketball of his career. Yep. And DeAndre Ayton. Is big time. Okay. DeAndre Ayton is playing like the player we thought. Okay, let's not forget DeAndre Ayton, and I would have drafted him before Luka Doncic Mm -hmm. then, and I would draft him now because this is the player I thought he could have been. Yeah. I mean, Luka Doncic, I mean, Luka Doncic is a special, special talent. But this kid, DeAndre Ayton, okay, he's, he had a great first round. Yep. And he held, he did more than hold his own against perhaps the reigning the current reigning MVP of the NBA and and, and and Jokic. So give Chris Paul credit because Chris Paul and Monty Williams, okay, who has done an exceptional job. I think he finished second in the coach of the year. Coaching of the year. Yep. Got the most first Chris place Paul, votes, by the way. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. You know, Chris Paul has taken a team that hasn't been in the playoffs for over what, a decade? Yeah. They had the second best record in the entire NBA. And here they are now in the, you know, the semifinals and they're playing great basketball. And you can see the confidence and how fired up people are when you're watching the game, the Phoenix Suns, their fan base, their organization. And we got to give that to Chris Paul because leadership matters. We talk about who has step backs and who's got the best crossover and who has the best fadeaway and who has the best longest range. Okay. When you say leadership, Chris Paul's name should be somewhere there. Yep. Because he's done this now at every stop. He did it last year in Oklahoma because I didn't hear a lot of people saying Oklahoma was going to be in the playoffs <laughs> last year. So look at where they were last year to where they're compl- at this year. 
Chris Paul deserves a lot of credit. This young man has, has, you know, he's had a Hall of Fame career, but I want to make sure that we give him, as you guys say, his flowers right now. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure that he gets his respect here on our podcast because he has been amazing. Yeah. Okay. He's been amazing. And he's played through injuries. He, he, every time he, He's a little battler, right? You know, he has a he's got the little man complex. He, he's got know? he's got like Isaiah Thomas type complex, you know yeah, what I mean? He's, yeah. he's got a little chip on his shoulder, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? He's and I respect him for that, right? You know, all of us little guys, we all we're all upset. We're always mad about something. <laughs> we're all upset. <laughs> we're always upset about something. You know what I mean? Like the little guy. You know, us point guards, you know, us point guards. You know, I, I remember I had a football coach who always told me he was like, you know, the the you always got to look at two positions when you're coaching a football team. I was like, what is that, coach? He said, you little guys are just like my wide receivers and defensive backs and running backs. You mess up the team. You always got a chip on your shoulder. You know what I mean? And whenever, whenever there's a problem or something off the court, it's always a wide receiver or the defensive back. <laughs> Or the running back. You know what I mean? Like the quarterbacks, for the most part, don't get in trouble. The linemen are great. Yeah. Like you never <laughs> yeah, hear about the linemen, guys. right? Yeah. <laughs> they're, just, they're just great guys. They're like, hey, you know what? I got to hit each other every play. I don't want to, I don't want any more problems. Yeah. But us point guards and the defensive backs and wide receivers and the running backs, we're gonna mess up. And you know, give Chris Paul credit, man. He's I just want to make sure that, you know, he because he's he's been he's been stellar thus far in the playoffs. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And he's uh, one of those guys that, like you said, he deserved his due. Last year, he was shipped away. A lot of people were like, his career's over, you know, basically saying that he's done. And he takes the team to the playoffs, gets himself traded to a great situation, and then makes the best out of that situation. And uh, he said it, you know, after the game one, and they talked to him, he said, a lot of times I've been on teams where I show up and we're really good, but it wasn't fun. And he was like, with this group, I show up and we have a lot of fun and I know how much they care about the game. And I mean, kudos to Devin Booker. You talk, I know a lot of younger right. players get a bad rap. They don't care about the game. You know, all that stuff that comes with generational BS that people, you know, hear online. But like Devin Booker is a throwback in that sense where I feel like he's the type that might put up 500 shots after a playoff game. You know, that that's kind of how he operates. And uh, I, I've enjoyed watching this Suns team blossom, you know, on the big stage because Three, four years ago, when DeAndre Ayton was the number one pick, people were laughing at him and saying that they made this huge mistake. And now they have the one player in the league who can stop the MVP, right? I mean, Jokic mentioned that after the game. He said, the one guy that gives me fits is DeAndre Ayton. There's not, there's not more of a compliment that you can give to a young player uh, as the MVP. That. Yeah, And he's just getting better and better. So, you know, I always tell you this, Tate, and you've heard me say this, the, you know, you know, I, I love point guards, as you know, <laughs> but I love those bigs. Yeah, the bigs are the best. And, yeah, the bigs are they 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 are the best. And when you have these big guys like DeAndre Ayton, if you want to maximize who they are, and every big knows this, you better have a point guard or a lead guard that can get them the ball and make the game easy because that's the one position that they are counting on someone to get them the ball. Yep. And I thought DeAndre Ayton at the beginning of this season would benefit the most from the trade of Chris Paul. Yep. Because I remember what Chris Paul did for a young player named Tyson Chandler. <laughs> yes. I mean, he turned it into Lob City, too. That was the first version of Lob City. It's Lob okay. City. Yeah. Uh, 
if you want to have a great big and all the executives, if you're listening and young executives, you can't have a great big without having a great guard, right? So when you, when the brilliance of the Lakers, when they built that team around Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant was, they got Shaq, but they had a great guard named Kobe Bryant mm-hmm. to get him the ball. Mm-hmm. Okay, when you have Kareem and you want to win with Kareem, you better have Oscar Robertson there in Milwaukee and you better have Magic Johnson there. Yep. Okay. Whenever, wherever there's a big, whether it's Will Chamberlain, you know, he had Jerry West and Gail Goodrich. You know, Bill Russell had Bob Cousy and those guys. Wherever there's a big, you better have a guard to get him the ball. Mm-hmm. DeAndre, you're seeing the very best version of DeAndre Ayton now. And he will continue to get better and better because let me tell you something. They're developing their chemistry. He's getting more confident. And this young man is very skilled. Mm-hmm. He is an all-star caliber player. Yeah, 20 and 10 game one. Yeah. Okay. He's an all-star caliber player, and he's not the first or second option right now. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Listen to what I'm saying, Tate. He's not the first or second option right now. Mm-hmm. And he's got a great guard. You know, Booker is like Kobe a little bit when you got you got a big and you got a great guard. Tate, I really like what they're doing there. And it's all because of Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. And when you find the recipe, and the recipe has been since the beginning with bigs. If you've got a great big, you get him a great guard. Mm-hmm. Because that guard can do wonders for that big. Because that's the one position with the exception of Jokic. There's always an exception to the rule. Jokic He's starting play to break with, himself. I mean, he, he doesn't need Jokic, a guard. Yeah. Jokic is so good. He passes to himself. Last uh, night uh, when he passed him to himself off the board, I was like... That was all. That was awesome last uh, week. I, I was they, like, they did. They did the uh, interview in the fourth quarter of Monty Williams, and they asked about Jokic. And I mean, he he gave like this long. He was just like, let's just say he's great. <laughs> Man, I, mean, I mean, Jokic is the one big that doesn't need a guard. No, he, I mean, he's a point guard. He, yeah, it's amazing. He, he is. I mean, real, real, honestly, if I was coaching Jokic, which I never would coach, but if I was coaching Jokic, I would play him. I would play him alongside a shot blocker, mm, like Javale. Just, just because the guy is so skilled, I don't see how you would match up with him. Yeah. I don't see how you, like, like you can't match up with him. Like, you can't match up with him as a five. Mm-hmm. How are you going to match up with him as a four? Mm-hmm. And he's more skilled than that guy who's guarding him at the four. And, and can move and get to his spots easier. And, I mean, when he's bringing the ball up, BJ, on the break, uh, he, I, I mean, it's, it's 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 the mismatch. I mean, because when he, he starts the break, nobody knows who how to who to pick him up. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I would start him. I mean, I mean, I would just start just because I just – but maybe this is just a dream of mine. I like I like Bull, I I like Bull, Bull and Jokic at the 4-5. Yeah. No, no. Th- okay. This is what I th- – Okay. We had a former guest of mine, uh-huh. a former guest of ours on the show, friend of mine, friend of yours now as well. His name is Ralph Sampson. Mm. Ralph Sampson is the greatest player that no one ever talks about, that, every, that, that, that no one talks about. Okay? Ralph Sampson and Akeem Olajuwon Ralph Sampson and Akeem Olajuwon, they had a run, but it was short-lived. That, to me, was beyond anything P- 
people could have imagined at the time. You had a seven foot five guy or a seven foot four guy in Ralph Sampson. You had a seven footer in Akeem Olajuwon or 16 or 6'11", however tall he is or was. And that was just a very unique thing. I think Jokic, along with Michael Porter, who is what? He's every bit of what, 6'10", 6'11"? He's 6'10", yeah. And then you put a JaVale McGee or somebody next to him. And the only reason I say JaVale McGee or any center is because Bull Bull, I don't think, can guard the other team's center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, I, I just love saying Bull Bull. I just love yeah, throwing out Bull I, Bull. I, yeah. <laughs> but if you started a seven-foot-one guy next to next to uh, Jokic with Michael Porter Jr., I mean, you got basically three seven-footers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your front line is, is I mean— you, How do you match up with this? Yeah, and how, how do you not get every rebound? Yeah, this is what I'm saying. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. It might be so, like a again, 25 rebound differential with that I, lineup. I, I really wish that I could have seen the best of Ralph Sampson. Because mm. there's a couple players, you know, that when I think about like great players that we really didn't get a chance to see, Ralph Sampson always comes top of list for me. Yeah. And then the late, great Lynn Bias. Mm. You know, and and you you lived in ACC country, so you're quite familiar with those two names. Absolutely. And Ralph Sampson in today's era, with today's game, with his skill set. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man, it was watch that, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was, <laughs> uh, and, and I wish that we could have seen Ralph mm. Mm. in his in his prime. Right, I really wish we could have seen him in his prime because Ralph Sampson and Akeem Olajuwon together was a major problem then, and that's where I think Jokic will can and will do his most damage mm. because you can play him. You it forces you to be big, and there aren't like a bunch of bigs that can play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. his style, especially yeah, now, especially at the four. All right now. So how do you counter him? Well, you counter him right now by going small. But small guys don't th- doesn't bother him. Mm. See, he's a big guy where a small ball doesn't bother him. Yeah, he also small would, ball doesn't bother Joel Embiid. He never brings the ball down. I, I I just think, but how many bigs can actually play with Jokic? I don't think there are many. And I would I would play him. I would just start him at the four. Because he's he he's not a five, he's not a four. He's just I don't know what he is. He's just, but he is a beautiful, beautiful basketball player, and uh, he's fun to watch. But I think that's a dream of mine. I just wanted to see. I want to see Ralph Sampson at seven foot three, seven foot four at the power four position. <laughs> I mean, think about that. Yeah, that's think about that. Like, think about you had Ralph's. Imagine having to come up with a game plan. If you were the Boston Celtics to say, I got to guard Ralph Sampson on one side and then on the other side is Akeem Olajuwon. Mm. And you're Kevin McHale and Robert Parrish and <laughs> Bill Walton. Like, what, what can you do? Yeah. Larry Bird. Yeah. I mean, you just tip your cap at that point. <laughs> Paul Jokic and another big next to him. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. And then, by the way, Michael Porter Jr. is sitting over there waiting when you figure out who, which one you're going to double team. Yeah. I mean, just waiting See, for the me, kick out. Yeah. See, to me, that's just, that's advantage me. Give me an advantage every single night on the floor. Mm. 
Mm. But all right, back to reality. No, I mean, uh, I, you know. I love I love the Jokic thoughts. I uh, as I watch the game, I mean, I almost get giddy, BJ, as I as I watch Nikola Jokic play basketball. I mean, it's so uh, it's so sound. Everything that he does, I don't I don't ever feel like he's going to turn the ball over, even though he does. Obviously, you know, he's a, he's human being. But as I watch him, I just expect greatness every possession. Uh, and yeah, and it, he, well, he, he's a he's, wizard. He's fun to watch. He's a wizard. He's fun. Yeah. Um, well, there you have it. That's some good playoff talk. Uh, this has been pushing through. Uh, we will be back uh, later in the week. We're going to have, um, uh, you know, a conversation about the process. So I'm sure Midas will be fired up about this uh, coming up later in the week. So we'll talk about what's going on with the Sixers and the process. And can they thrust the process or trust the process? We'll see. Uh, well, Midas, I would never put process and the word trust in the same sentence. Oh. <laughs> 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 I still believe in the Sixers against the Hawks. I uh, The Nets scare me probably more than any team left in the playoffs, uh, but we'll see. we got a lot of conversations ahead. BJ, anything else before we get out of here? Winning water, my friend. you got to make ways. We'll see you later in the week.